Well, if you have a Bible with you, and I hope that you do, whether paper or electronic, I want to encourage you to find uh, the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36, we'll be looking there uh, in just a moment. But as you're finding that, let me just piggyback on the video uh, that was right before, uh, just the, the One Cry Conference. And we, we are very, very excited to have this team uh, to, to be here in Fort Mill with us. Uh, it's been something we've been working toward uh, for quite some time to, to bring these folks here, uh, just uh, because I think we share similar heartbeat. We want to see God move in, in a mighty way, that we are so grateful for so many things that God's allowed us to be a part of. And yet, when we read Scripture, when we look at the book of Acts, uh, we, we know that there's so much more. And even as we look at our, as our country, we look at the world, we know that there is a crying need for a mighty movement of God. And so I'm just going to encourage you uh, to, to prioritize being here. Uh, begins on a Sunday morning. We'll have a regular uh, Sunday schedule on the 21st that morning. Uh, then we'll be back uh, in the evenings, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. each evening for a special time of gathering. Um, things going on in here for uh, students, adults, uh, but then there's special activities for children and preschoolers at all of those times. And so just really want to encourage you to, to bless lock that out and just say, God, I, I want to be a part of that. We've got some uh, prayer guides that uh, in your worship folder this week to begin to help you to pray. Uh, next week, we're going to be distributing a prayer guide that'll take us on a 40-day prayer journey uh, from February 10th uh, to Palm Sunday. And it's going to span that time of the One Cry Conference. And, and just uh, we're just praying and, and just saying, God, how we need you uh, to move. And, and we, are, we are just uh, crying out uh, with thousands upon hundreds of thousands of other believers expecting and asking you to do something powerful uh, in our midst. And, and, and in prep for that, I just want us to take just a moment right now, if we could, and, and would you allow me just to guide us in, in a prayer uh, for this uh, time together in February? Let's bow our heads together, please. Father, we do just come before you. And Lord, you, you know everything there is to know about us, about weather patterns, about uh, patterns and habits in our own lives, the good ones and the not-so-good ones. You know the, the places where there is great celebration, the places where there is great pain. You know what's going on in our nation and in our world. Father, you, you see beyond uh, what we see in the the news cycle, you see truth, you see hearts, you see the reality. Father, that you know not only what is happening in these moments, but what is yet to come, and you know how to prepare your people for that. And so, Father, we, we're just asking now, Lord, would you just be gracious to us once again, gracious to visit us in, in power and might gracious to, to pour out uh, a fresh filling of your Spirit in our lives. Father, would you just graciously call us to turn, uh, to turn from lesser things, to unite in a, in a, in a powerful uh, crying out to you and to pray like we've never prayed before. Father, we just acknowledge that apart from you we have no hope, uh, but in you <laughs> the hope is bountiful, the hope is without limits. And so, Father, we just, we just ask now that whatever you need to do over these, this next month uh, to prepare us for what you have in store for us, Father, we just, we just ask you to have your way. 
Father, would you just do a mighty work in us so that you could do a powerful work through us? Father, just please, Lord, let us get in on a reviving work of Almighty God. Lord, we pray for this together as a church family, and we pray for this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And please just want to ask you to continue to be in prayer toward that, continue to prioritize that uh, on your calendars. As we, we turn to, uh, back to our series on identity crisis, let me, let me just get us uh, kind of going in that direction with a, a story. Maybe you've heard one form of it uh, or another through the years. As a, as a family, mom and dad and a young son, and I mean, they were, they were country as country could be, all right? I mean, they were out in the Midwest, and I mean, they, they were on one of these few remaining big old family farms. I mean, they were, they, they, were, they were almost of another generation. I mean, no TV, no cable, no satellite, no internet, no cell phones. I mean, they were, they, they were, they were rule as rule could be. Occasionally, they would leave the farm and go into town to pick up a few items, but town was a, like a no-stoplight town. I mean, that, that was the extent of, of their kind of exposure to the world that maybe many of us take for granted. But he, he was getting these letters from the government, and they were having this back and forth. And so finally he made up his mind that he was going to drive to the big city, even though he had never been there before in his life. He was going to drive to the big city, and he was going to have it out with the government. And so he loaded up Ma and his boy, and they got in the truck, and they made their way to the big city. And, and of course, they were just a little bit terrified. The closer they got, more and more people, more and more cars. And they started seeing buildings. They had never seen buildings these, this big in their entire life. And, and they got there, and he was a little worried. And he said, well, Ma, you just, you just stay right here in the car. You, you just stay right here in the car and make sure, you know, nothing, nothing will happen. And, and me and the boy will go in there, and we're going to get this thing straight straightened out and and we'll be right back and so they walk in and they step into the lobby of this government building and they're just blown away i mean it's all this you know marble and looks so fancy and and you know they're just kind of man how much hay could you put in this place right i mean man it's huge it's huge and and then the guy looks over and and he and he sees this these doors that open and they close and lights kind of go on above them and he watches, and there's this old lady. She's just, oh, she's having a hard time walking. I mean, she's bent over and has a you know, walker, and she, she just barely makes it into that room, and the doors close, and lights kind of go on above, and he sits there and watches for a minute, and then the doors open again, and out walks this gorgeous lady. I mean, she looks like the most beautiful woman he has ever seen in his entire life. And him and his son are standing there, and they're just, the jaws drop for a moment. And then he turns to his boy and he says, Boy, go get your mama out of the car. <laughs> right? He had a plan, right? He had a plan. I'm going to put her in this magic box, right? Now, I, I got to tell you, I don't have a magic box to offer you today, okay? There's nothing that, that I have that's going to transform any of our physical appearance so that we step in and a moment later we step out and, and physically we look uh, totally transformed. But this is the one thing I, I do want you to know, that God is in the purpose, in the, purpose, in the business of transforming you and I. 
He's in the, in the, in the business of making us into new people. He is at work in our lives to transform us from the inside out. And that transformation on, on one hand is instantaneous because of what he does for us instantly in Jesus Christ. But it's also progressive. It's also a work of transformation that's going to continue, won't be fully complete until we are in his presence after the resurrection. So that that, that there there is a sense in which we are transformed and we are continually being transformed. And that's part of who we are. That's part of our identity in Jesus Christ. And, and just to kind of put this, uh, this morning in, in context, let's, let, let's look at a couple of these verses here. E- Ezekiel 36, where I ask you to turn. This is kind of the, uh, an Old Testament expression of this, of this promised transformation as God was speaking uh, through and to the prophet Ezekiel. In verse 26, he says, And I will give you a new heart, And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That in the Old Testament, even pointing toward the cross of Jesus Christ, that I am going to do a transformational work in you. I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put a new spirit within you. You're going to have a a new capacity to obey and walk in my ways. Post cross, post resurrection of Jesus, Paul put it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, as we said a few weeks ago, his favorite, one of Paul's favorite expressions, in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That if you are in Jesus Christ, a fact that we can nail down is that I am new. That something at the core of my being has been transformed. And because of that, God is going to continue to do a transforming work in me. Let's, let's put it in context of what we've been talking about so far in this series. We talked about the fact that God created me. God created me, that I am an intentional creation of God, that I have purpose. I am absolutely dependent upon him, and I am accountable to him for what I do with my one and only life. He is my creator. But not only did God create me, but as we've seen in this series, God rescued me. God rescued me from my sin. He did not leave me uh, lost. He did not leave me separated from him, but he intervened in Jesus Christ. And if I am indeed in Christ, he has rescued me. He has, he has brought me to a new legal standing where I've been declared not guilty. I've been declared not get forgiven of my sin, but also in right standing because his righteousness has been credited to my account. I have a new legal standing. And last week we looked at the fact that not only did he rescue me, but God adopted me. Not only do I have a new legal standing, but I have a new family standing, a new family relationship that I am a child of God. I am a part of his forever family. And we talked about some of the things that it means to be adopted, to be a 
child of God. All of those things bring us to this morning where we focus on the fact that God transforms me. And we'll even uh, spend some time with that next week. But God transforms me. He gives me this new legal standing. He envelops me in his forever family. And then he says, I am going to transform you. I am going to transform you. I am going to make you a new person, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, for the just kind of the sake of, of focus this morning, let me just kind of build our thoughts around uh, three truths. Three truths about my new identity, about who I am as a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, this is what God says about me. Remember the theme of this series, the truest thing about me is what God says about me. And God says that I have a new position, that I have a brand new position, that that something has changed forever in my position. You find that throughout Scripture. A couple of examples, Ephesians 2. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By God's intervening miraculous grace, my position was dead. Now my position is alive, alive in, alive with Christ Jesus. And what we're to do with that is to think about it, to focus on that. So that Paul writes to the Romans, so you also must consider. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is your position, but you have to focus on that truth. You have to consider it. Some translations will say, reckon it. Reckon it to be true in your life. That Consider this is true about me. I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. One more example, back to, back to Ephesians 2. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, what great words, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Please hear this. What, what the scripture tells us is this is a settled fact. You have a new position in Jesus Christ. If you have been recreated, if you have been born again, you have a new position. You are no longer separated, but you are now part of the family. You are no longer uh, dominated by sin, but you are now in Jesus Christ. But it's not only a settled fact, but it's something we have to choose to focus on. We have to choose to think about on a consistent, regular basis. So that one of the things I need to do to live out of my new identity is to continue to saturate my mind with truth. Consider my present position. Consider who I am now in Christ Jesus. Let that be a focus of my life. Consider myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And out of a new position, I have a new potential. 
I have a new potential. There is something different now. I have a potential that I did not have before, before this intervening grace of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul would write to these, the, the, the Romans right after verse 11 that we, said, that we just looked at, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Then after you focus on that in your thought, then you practice differently. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. That that you now have a whole different potential that you don't have to present your body you don't have to present the members of your body to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but you now have the potential to present yourself to god and the members of your body as instruments as tools for him to use for righteousness sake again just a few verses later in that same chapter but thanks be to god that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. What did Ezekiel say? I'm going to give you a new heart. A new heart. You become obedient from this new heart to the standard of teaching which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Because of your new position as a new creation in Jesus Christ, one who has been given a new heart, who is indwelt with a new spirit, you have a new potential. No longer does sin have to rule and reign in your life. No longer do habits that may have controlled you or dominated you up to this point have to control or dominate your life. You have a new potential. And you say, well, now, Jeff, that sounds very wonderful, but it almost sounds like a little bit of a TV infomercial because I know I'm still struggling with some sin. I know I'm still struggling with, with, with some habits and, and things in my life. I mean, what, what, what about that? The reality that the Bible helps us to deal with is that though sin does not reign in us, it nevertheless remains in us. As long as we are in these not yet fully redeemed bodies, as long as we are still living in this not yet fully redeemed world, we are still going to have to deal with the potential of sin. It, it no longer uh, rules us. It no longer reigns in us, but it does remain in us. And so it's not something that automatically I'm never going to be tempted. I'm never going to have to deal with sin. I'm never going to have to struggle with these things. That's not what Scripture says. It says you no longer have to sin. You now have a new potential. You have a new power. You have a new heart, a new desire. Said another way, it's dethroned. Sin is dethroned, but it is not yet totally destroyed. There is coming a day, and Scripture says, where, where sin will be no more. No more weeping, no more tears, no more disease, no more of any of those things that are all the result of sin. It said, but for now, it still remains. But understand, while it is not yet totally destroyed, in your life, it is dethroned. Now, some of us live under the illusion sometimes that I can't. 
I can't obey, or I, I can't say no to that, or I can't change that, or I can't do that. But that's not what the Scripture says is true about us. That's what the world says is true about us. That's what the enemy whispers sometimes is true about us. But that's not what the Bible says is true about us. That's why Romans says, consider. Consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You have a new potential. You, you have, have this capacity. Think about it this way. It's kind of like, it's kinda like the, 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 the enemy has been defeated, but hasn't totally been wiped out. The decisive battle has been fought and won. Uh, the, the power of this, this opposing force, if you can think about even histories of wars, uh, the, the, I mean, the... the, the, the Major battles taken place. The major victory has been won, but there are still skirmishes to be fought. And so as long as we are remaining in this not yet fully redeemed body and not yet fully redeemed world, sin was going to engage in some guerrilla warfare. It'll strike at you. It'll, it'll pop out at the, at the worst times. It'll attack it at unexpected angles. But what the Scripture says is you don't have to be controlled by that. You have a new potential. Understand your position. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. Understand the potential that you have in that new position. It doesn't mean that you're not going to deal with sin. It doesn't mean that there's not some of those skirmishes that still is going to take place. It just means the victory has already been won. And you are operating now not from a position of, of, of defeat, but from a position of victory, the victory that's been won in Jesus Christ. You have a new position as a new creation. You have a new potential as this new creation. And thirdly, you and I have, uh, oh, excuse me, let me get this. As a new creation in Christ Jesus, I have a new capacity to obey, to obey God in all things, so, so that in everything I can obey him. Let me go back to, to Ezekiel. And I will put my spirit within you, this is the promise of God, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Not only a new potential to say no to sin, but a new potential to say yes to God so that I can walk. He, his spirit within me helps me to walk in his statutes, walk in his ways, walk according to the guidelines of his word. I have a new potential, not only to say no, but to say yes. No to sin and yes to God. That's why Paul would say, I can do all things. Writing from a prison cell, writing about the fact that he knows what it is to be in, in plenty and what it means to be in want. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes people take that and they, they kind of take that verse and they, they want to say, well, that means I can do anything I want to do. No, it means you can do anything that God wants you to do. It means that you can obey God in everything. That I can do all things, whatever God will ask of me, I can do all things, not in my own strength, but in the one, Christ Jesus, who strengthens me. That's the potential that you and I have. A new position, 
a new potential, and with that, he gives us a new priority. A new priority that I now have and live by a different set of priorities. This is part of that new heart that Ezekiel is talking about. It's part of the new spirit that he has placed within me, that I now have a new priority. Well, let's just look at some of the verses that are right there before you. Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said, and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You're going to have different priorities. The world seeks after a whole lot of things. Uh, Those who are not connected to Christ worry about a whole lot of things. But you, you have a new focus. You are called to a new priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's not that you don't take care of those other things, food, clothing, shelter, all those things are obviously important. But your first priority becomes the kingdom of God. God. So that in 2 Corinthians 5, the same chapter where Paul talks about uh, you are a new creation, he talks about this new priority. And whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That, that I now, I understand, it's not about me. Life is not just about me and my preferences and my comfort and, and my schedule, but it's about pleasing him so that more and more as this new heart takes hold, more and more as I'm submitted to this new spirit within me, more and more I live as a new creation designed to please him in all things, in life, in death, in good times, And in hard times, I have a priority to please him, to please him. Keep going in that same chapter, talking about Christ. And he died for all. Why? So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So that it's not about me. It is about him, pleasing him, honoring him, seeking his kingdom first. It's about not just living for myself, but living for Christ, living for the one who gave his life for me, who now lives his life in and through me. So that I begin to have a whole different set of priorities in my life. I work in such a way that I want to please him. I want to honor him. I want his life to show through me in my family, in my relationships, in my social settings, in the way that I handle my time, my schedule, my resources. All of that is to please him. All of that is is to live for him. And then one other thing, Again, we're just staying in this same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, where he talks about you are this this new creation. And he talks about the fact that we now have a new mission. He calls us to a brand new mission. All of this, all of this transformation, all of this new creation, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So here's part of our identity. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So that 
what I come to understand is this new creation. I'm living to please him. I'm seeking his kingdom first. It's not about me. It is about him. And I understand that he has left me on this planet. I'm still drawing breath. My heart is still beating in large part because I am still called to represent him. I am still called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Where I live, where I work, where I play. Whether that takes me uh, across the, the aisle, uh, across the hall, uh, across the street, across the track, across the world. That, that I am a representative of Jesus Christ. That he is making his appeal through me. That becomes part of who I understand he has recreated me to be. As a new creation, I have a new position. And with that new position, I now have a new potential. A new potential to live as a victor over sin, to obey God in all things. And I have a new priority to seek him and his kingdom first. To please him, to honor him, to live for him, and to be an ambassador for him. These become the shaping priorities of my life. I have to know it. And I have to consider it to be true, and I have to act upon it. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of a man by the name of uh, Victor Sobriakov. Victor was interesting story. Victor was told when he was 15 years old that he just didn't have it. I mean, just didn't have kind of the, 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 the mental capacity, if you would. His teacher basically said, listen, you're never going to finish school. The best thing you could do is to try to learn a trade. And he just kind of wore the label of dunce. And for the next 17 years of Victor's life, he just bounced from odd job to odd job to odd job to odd job. And then at 32 years old, something happened. And one of these jobs, he had an opportunity to take a test, and that kind of led to another test. And he ended up taking an IQ test, and he scored 161. He scored at the genius level. And all of a sudden, something changed. Instead of acting like a dunce, in his words, he started acting like a genius. And things began to change in his life. He, he would go on and write several books he ended up securing a number of patents. He became a successful businessman. And perhaps most ironic of all, as a former school dropout, was eventually elected as the chairman of the International Mensa Society. The only requirement for membership is you have to have an IQ of 140 or over. Just leave your cards in your wallet there. It's, it's not necessary to pull those out right now. But why? What made the difference in Victor's life? He had a different understanding of who he was. At 32 years of age, he suddenly saw himself as a different person. He suddenly had a different understanding of the capacity, of the potential that was in his life. And he began to act differently. He began to act. He began to walk. He began to think. He began to live 
in light of his new understanding, his new identity of who he was. That's what Jesus Christ invites you to do. As he works in your life, as he works to do exactly what Ezekiel said, to to, to give you a new heart, not one of stone, but one of flesh with a, a new capacity. As he puts his spirit within you, he says, I want you to think differently. I want you to think differently about who you are. I want you to live differently. I want you to operate differently. I want you to relate to people differently because you have a new understanding of who you are because if you are in Christ Jesus... He has made you a new creation. And so what I want to do is just take a few moments here. Is I want to kind of try to begin to make this a little personal for you. And we've got a series of questions, and I'm just going to, going to walk you through these questions for reflection. And do so with kind of the words of Paul there in 2 Corinthians is the basis of this. Examine yourselves, Paul encourages. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Victor Sobrakov took a test. And it became transformational in his life. So I'm just going to walk you through this series of questions. And this is by no means the only list. It's just maybe a way to begin to think, am I really operating out of a new identity? Am I really operating in alignment with what Jesus Christ has done for me? So I'm just going to invite you as we walk through these, just would you just kind of have a conversation with God, just even as you're looking at the questions on the screen and on your paper, but just allow God to just engage you in a conversation right now. First question, how is my, what is my attitude toward God? What is my attitude toward God on a daily basis? Do I gladly acknowledge my dependence on him and my accountability to him? Am I committed to please him in all things? How evident is that in your life? What is my attitude toward sin? Am I concerned about it? Am I indifferent about it? Do I just go along to get along? Or am I fighting a a good fight? against the guerrilla warfare of sin in my life. Third question, what is my attitude toward Jesus Christ? Do I trust in him, his life, and his death as my only hope for forgiveness in life? Or am I still on a performance plan, thinking that somehow I'll have enough good marks to overcome the bad marks in my life? What is my attitude toward the Bible? Do I truly want to grow in my understanding and application of it in my life? I mean, is that, does that show up in my life on a regular basis? Does that show up in my schedule daily, weekly? 
Am I becoming more and more a doer of the Word of God and not merely a hearer? And as I think back over the past few months, as I think back over a year I just finished up, am I a little more of a doer? Are there some areas where I've grown in obedience to the Word of God, not just in hearing or knowledge about the Word of God? What is my attitude toward prayer? Do I want to grow in this area of my life, or am I quite content to see prayer as an occasional call out to God for help? Is God stirring something in me that to spend time in His presence, recognizing my dependence to cry out to Him like I've never cried out to Him before? A couple more. What is my attitude toward other Christians? Do I appreciate being with them and learning from them? Am I investing in being a contributing member of the body of Christ? Or am I content to be a consumer of religious activities? How am I engaged with the body of Christ? How am I investing? One more. What is my attitude toward the mission of Christ? Am I actively engaged in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and deed? Am I investing in this mission across the street and around the world? Now let me take you back to the very first message in this series. As we kind of introduced the series, we said the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And part of the reason for spending time looking at God's Word in this way is just to reorient ourselves to what is true about me. What is true about me in Jesus Christ? But there's a second thing that we said at the very beginning. And that is that even though this identity is true about you, it's something that you will continually have to grow into. That you'll continually have to grow into your new identity in Jesus Christ. Just as Viktor Sobriakov continually had to grow into his new understanding of his intelligence and his capacity, you and I will have to continually grow into our new identity in Jesus Christ. And so as you think about these questions, they're not necessarily a yes or no. They are in some sense of, am I growing? Am I growing in this area? Is my attitude growing in this area? Is my practice growing in this area? Because what God has said is that if you're in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You have a new position, and with that position, you have a new potential, a potential beyond what the world tells you your potential is. And out of that, God will begin to give you a whole new set of priorities And those priorities will reorient your life in a very powerful, impactful way. The question is, where are you today? Are you believing what God has said about you is true? And are you growing? Are you growing into your new identity in Jesus Christ? Let me pray for you, and then we're going to spend a few minutes just responding to our God. Let's bow our heads together, please. Father, I, I know it's, it's, Lord, just been a little bit of a different week for many of us, but your truth is unchanging. 
And so, Father, I just, I just pray right now, Lord God, would you just help us, help us to understand who we are and where we are. Help us to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Who we are is this new creation of yours. And Lord, I, I would just ask today that there may be some in this room, and Father, on a, uh, on a weekend where we, we've had ice and cold and all of that, Father, you, you have brought them here for just this moment. You have brought them here today for a, a new birth, a new creation. Lord, today is the day that you're going to draw them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Today is the day they're going to turn from trusting in, in self and running in, in their own way and, and turn to you. Turn and cry out to Christ Jesus as, as Savior, as Rescuer, as Redeemer, as Forgiver, as Leader and Lord. Lord, let today be the day that they become authentically a new creation in you. And Father, I pray out of that, that new identity that you've given to us in Christ Jesus, Lord, I, I pray that, that you'd help us to grow into it. I pray, Lord, that today you would just reorient us to the fact that what you have said about us is the truest thing about us. And Lord, I pray that today you would help us to see where we are, where we're living in light of our new potential and new priorities and where we have some growing to do. And Father, I pray that would you just graciously, as we talked about last week, uh, among your children, you, you conform us to the image of your Son, you discipline us lovingly. Father, would you just right now call us to you, call us to growth, call us to transformation. Call us to live as new creations. As you just continue to sit now before the Lord in these moments, we've just set aside some time for you to be still. To listen not just to my voice, but I pray listen to the voice of the Spirit within you. The God who is around you. And then I'm going to just invite you to respond in trust and obedience, considering what he has said is true about you. And for some of you today, you need to indicate that response. Maybe it's just even in the quietness of your heart to say, as I've walked through those questions, God got my attention. This is an area where I need to grow. This is an area where I need to refocus and reprioritize. Would you just tell him right now, God, the answer is yes. I want to, I want to grow into who you've called me and created me to be. For some of you today, your next step involves a surrender of your life to Christ going public with your faith in the waters of baptism or formally connecting to this family of believers to do life in community together for the glory and the purposes of God. We have a connect room in the very back of our worship space. We have a team of folks that's there right now, and they're there to serve you. 
So even as I'm talking right now, you feel free to just slip out of your seat, move toward the back. If you need somebody to pray with you today, if you're ready to become a member of the First Baptist family, if, you're, if today is the day for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ, if today you, you need to take that first step and say, I'm going to go public with my faith through the water of baptism, this Connect team can help you with any and all of those things. That's what that room's for. That's what this team's for. That's what this time's for. Would you let your next steps be some physical ones that take you right back there? For some of you, if you've still got your Connect cards, you may want to just make a mark on that.